I see teachers all over the country doing things that, that absolutely blow what I received as a child out of the water. And I look back now and, and even my te the teachers that I really enjoyed learning from, you know, they, they weren't anything like as engaging and they didn't do anything like as much to move the learning forward. And I think that's, that's great. We've come so far in such a short amount of time. Okay, so we're about to go and visit Matthew Bradley over at Newton Farm Primary School. He's the head teacher. He's only been head teacher there a relatively short period of time, and he is a remarkable inspiration. I met Matthew a couple of years ago when he was deputy head at St. Luke's. He was only deputy head, funnily enough, for about two years before for being pushed to headship at a outstanding school in Harrow, and he's taken over and he's done such a phenomenal job. Matthew to me is like the guru on growth mindset. He literally walks it, he lives it, he talks it, he breathes it. And the way he breathes leadership into the rest of his staff and the rest of his team, you can just see it right away through the school. And he's such an inspiring person as well as a phenomenal head teacher. So really looking forward to sharing his success, sharing his inspiration and sharing his story. school should always be to improve the teaching and learning mm. um, and I think you need to make mechanisms you need to create mechanisms that allow you to be able to continue to do that mm -hmm. within a school and improve that while you're able to deal with the other things as well because otherwise you'll get your head into one section of the school mm. you'll always be dealing with um, paperwork issues and you'll never be thinking about teaching and learning. Sure. And actually a big part of that is involving your team because mm. you can't do it all. That's you shouldn't be, you should, not, only, not only can you not observe every lesson, mm. but you shouldn't be the one doing the every observation because mm. then you're not building or growing your team to become better teachers and to be critical about their teaching, etc. Mm. So um, I'd say for us, the key priorities within, within teaching are always teaching and learning, but we also have priorities determined by data as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're always looking at the core subjects, reading, writing, maths, um, in, improving the curriculum, developing the curriculum so that, you know, curriculum is more integrated, more maths in, in geography, for instance, or more writing in PE, for instance. Mm -hmm. All of those things are, are, are things that we try and develop in the school. Um, another priority. Sorry, Sorry continue. Okay. I can't even remember where we were. So we were talking about the priorities of the school, weren't we? So um, I think the, the, the main thing is, do you know what? I'll take it from a slightly different approach, all right? So let's talk first about how you know what the priorities of a school are, because I think that's the most important part of that conversation. Actually, we're just in the right place to talk about that. So what you can see here is a school improvement plan. Every school's got one of those. But how do you make that school improvement plan? Well, uh, do you as a head teacher or your senior leadership team go off and have a day out of school and write it by yourselves? Well, I don't think that's an appropriate way to do that because otherwise, how is everybody going to engage with that vision? Um, what you need to do is you need to pull in information from everywhere. And actually what you can see here is uh, over here, we've got parents have given their feedback about what they wanted to do in the school and what they wanted to improve. These are staff. This is a whole day staff inset. Lots of things that came out of that for us to be thinking about. A self-evaluation form. This is looking at the past and the things that we're already doing and seeing how they can be improved. Pupil questionnaires and 
pupils who've written me letters about what they think should be happening in the school. The vision is also really important to make sure that everything that goes in here is relating to that. Uh, the governors, you can see minutes of governing body meetings over there, you know, where they've, things that they think are important for the school and how they've been reflected and making sure you're incorporating those. And of course, you know, the, this, we've got actually Ofsted descriptors up there. Um, and the government has something to say about what education should look like as well. So you, you pull all of those together and that's how you get your priorities within the school. And I think that's the most important factor because at the end of the day, um, I am not delivering the entire SIP myself, right? Sure. So if I want others to deliver it, they need to understand it. And if they didn't have a hand in making it, then how can they possibly understand what it is that they need to be doing? Absolutely. Or even care. Why would they? Why should they care? Yes, they For might sure. get their paycheck or they might come to school every day to be a pupil here. Mm. But why should, why should they care about that plan that they have no, no investment in whatsoever? So what you're saying is it's all about engaging everyone to collectively create that vision. Absolutely. One of the things that people might be thinking is, well, where's the time? How, how, do, you, how do you manage that? Where's the time? Because mm, time is a difficult one, right? Yeah. So I think the, the, the thing is you've got to make the time, mm. right? Um, you know, I have a colleague uh, who um, actually works in this school now. And she, besides her job as a teacher, is also a guide leader. And I said to her once, because she works very hard. I said, well, where do you find the time to do that? And she said, you know, there isn't time. You make the time. You make the time, and then you worry about it later. And I think that's how it is. You, you portion out that time, mm -hmm. and you say, this is what is going to happen on this day. You know, this is what is going to happen on this week, and you're going to make sure that it happens. Mm -hmm. um, in my, uh, in, when we sit down and discuss the training for the, for the term, you know, sometimes we just block out a whole half term, and it will only be on one particular topic. And that's difficult to do, because, you know, we're getting information from all quarters, changes that we need to make. Ofsted is changing its uh, criteria all of a sudden. Um, the uh, local authority is, has an increased focus on writing or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so you want to change that around and, and try and be um, react, reacting to things. But I think if you want to, to really excel, you can't just react, but you have, to, you have to be leading the way. And you can't do that if you're only ever making decisions based on the information that you're getting in on, on ran at random times. That proactive versus reactive mindset, isn't it? Yeah. And how you go about setting that culture where you set those times and you set those priorities. Yeah. How do you go about setting your own schedule, your own priorities, your own time schedule? Yeah, so I would say probably that would be one of my, my biggest strengths would be that I'm very organized, right? Mm. And it's a key skill that I've, I've, I've that's helped me through the years. But uh, what I would say is for people who want to get organized is um, we're really good at thinking about how can we improve our teaching as teachers. So you, you go back and you reflect on your lesson. But that same principle of reflecting on the things that you're doing applies to all aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. If you are struggling to get everything done, what you really need to do is look at everything that you need to do and take some time, mm -hmm. you know, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, however long it takes, half an hour, and sit down and figure out how are you going to be able to accomplish all of those things. You have to reflect on that too. Mm. Same applies for work-life balance as well, actually. Absolutely. So it's not enough to just hope that it's going to be a problem. If it's a problem, you can't just wish it away. You have to, <laughs> you have to spend the time thinking about it to fix it. And that's, 
something that's unique to humans, right? We are able to overcome all kinds of problems, but we just have to commit that brain power to do it. Or, or you could just learn about it, but, but then you just have to deal with the fact that it's never going to improve. Yeah. yeah, and they often say there's a, there's a, there's a narrative, a story, and it's like um, there's this guy and he's chopping down this tree, chopping down this tree, and there's yeah. another guy chopping down the same tree. Yeah. And, um, and one of them is sort of working, 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 chopping, chopping away. Mm-hmm. And then the other one spends a lot of time just sitting there, um, what appears to be just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy that's just sitting there ends up chopping the tree a lot faster than the other one. Yeah. And then the guy comes over and he goes, well, how did you finish chopping the tree? You've been sitting there half the time. He said, what you didn't see was that while I was sitting there, I was sharpening my sword. Yeah, Exa- <laughs> well, that's exactly it. It's th- and that's, that's, that's important. And I would say possibly, you know, that, that even in that anecdote, the person who's watching the other guy chop the tree while he's sharpening his sword, he's learning something from the, the struggles <laughs> of the other person in the, in the first place as well. So he probably has a double advantage there because mm. he's, he's looking and thinking at the same time. Mm. Maybe even thinking about how to more effectively chop the tree down. Sure. You know, looking at the grain. I don't mm. know. Never done much chopping of trees, but <laughs> look, looking, looking at where, where the best way it is to chop the tree and you know, sure. spending that bit of time. And at the end, you know, the dividend is... is is really good. I said I said I was really good at organizing. It's one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. What I didn't say is how long it, it, it took for me to get good at organizing. I would say it's taken my entire life to of constantly thinking about how to improve mm. to to become quite organized. And I'm still not as organized as I want to be. And uh, you know that's it never that journey never ends. never ends. So take us back then to. Your school days. What was school life like for you growing up? Were you always organised in school, or how was it for you? No, I was very, very <laughs> poorly organised. I had to change it because mm-hmm. it wasn't wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. I would say up until up until uh, university, I'd almost say beyond. In fact, I would almost say it was up until I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. It was up until I was a teacher. I mean, yes, I did think about my organisation, but it wasn't until I became a teacher that I really kind of kind of got it there. Um, but back in my school days, I was, I think, I think if people would say, I, well, I talked a lot. Mm-hmm. I think every report card I have says talks too much <laughs> in class. Um, I didn't get into a lot of trouble, but I would just, I wouldn't have said I was an angel either. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite good at, uh, at school. I, I understood my studies well. Um, although, there, you know, there were, that was, that was a lot down to education being prioritized in my family, right? So they mm-hmm. understood the importance of a good education and they made me understand that too. Um, I think like many adults now, particularly people who are in education, the teaching I received mm-hmm. wasn't of the highest, it wasn't at the standard that it is now. You know, I'm, I see teachers all over the country doing things that, that absolutely blow what, I received as a child out of the water and I look back now and and even my te- the teachers that I really enjoyed learning from you know they they weren't anything like as engaging and they didn't do anything like as much to move the learning forward and I think that's that's great we've come so far in such a short amount of time um, in terms of our understanding of what it is that helps children to learn um, so I would say I was I did quite well in school I wasn't that engaged uh, except for the fact that I knew that it was important to, to have a good education. Most of the time I spent chatting. Um, I got on quite well with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I didn't stand out particularly, I didn't stand out that much. Mm-hmm. 
Was yeah. there a particular teacher that inspired you when you were learning? Oh, I had lot. I had also? I had lots of teachers that have that that I really enjoyed learning from. Um, you know, I had a, a a math teacher who's now a a head head teacher in uh, an independent school uh, that was in, in secondary school. Awesome. Um, but if I think back to my primary school days, now I'm a primary school teacher now. If I think back to my primary school days, n or, there really isn't anything that stands out. I can mm -hmm. barely remember it, and I guess it was because of that lack of that lack of engagement that was there. How does that shape your your vision, your ethos now as a head teacher, and how you go about leading your school? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's really important because. And this is something I always tell my teachers is that, you know, children only get one go, right? You only get one chance, so you better make sure it's a good one and that you're giving them a good education because they don't, don't have another opportunity to go back and have a do-over. Just like I don't have an opportunity to go back and do a do-over of that education, which, you know, maybe I could have learned a lot more through that. Um, so for me, it's about always trying to improve things and to innovate and to do and experiment with new things to look at what is going on that's best practice and to use that where it's applicable but not exclusively you have to innovate because otherwise if you're just doing the same best practice as everybody then that's just being mediocre right because if everybody's doing it then there's you're not doing anything that's special or beyond that um, and if you're not taking risks and making mistakes you're not learning anything either because what kind of a model is that for children if you're not willing to take a risk in your own classroom then if the, what, what, why would the children ever take a risk with their learning as well that's one of the biggest things in education now isn't it and yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were saying a very similar thing is like how many times can you fail and if you I don't know if you've read Good to Great or heard of it by Jim Collins I, I have heard of this but yeah, I haven't read and it and the philosophy in the book is about okay so they did studies of hundreds of CEOs and com large companies and <laughs> one of the things that they found about the ones that lasted and that were sustainably great <laughs> was that they failed numerous times. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, it was Nelson Mandela and his quote, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, is um, don't judge me by the times I was successful but judge me by the number of times that I failed and I got back up. And I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna listen to some somebody who's who can show you what an in what what it can be like to be really successful in your mission Nelson Mandela is not a bad place to start mm. so I mean that is I mean it's a key for everything and, and you're right it is coming more and more into the dialogue mm -hmm. in education about the understanding that failure is okay mm -hmm. and actually it's essential to 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 fail to, to do well and I think teachers actually have known that for a long time mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that's been clean. Not not sure that's been as clear to the general public mm -hmm. as 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 it is becoming now. I talk to my parents, and they understand. While they might not know what a growth mindset is before we've explained it, they understand the idea and the principles behind it. Whereas I think that would have been a very hard sell, you know, even just ten years ago to mm -hmm. say, "Oh, well, my child's book is full of crosses." Well, actually, that's not a bad thing. It's, mm. If they've only got ticks and they never got anything wrong, mm. then there's a question about whether they've been challenged enough. That's that's sure. that's a big shift, I think. How do you go about sharing that ethos with your team, with your team of, of teachers, yeah. and making sure that that is practically embedded in terms of that growth mindset? And hey, it is okay to fail. Mm. So, gosh, there's a lot of ways that we did that. There was not. There's not a one-step process. We, the first two days of this academic year was, um, well, in the very first day, we actually brought in a, um, a well-known speaker on 
on growth mindset and we went to another school um, which is quite similar to us in many ways but they have their differences but we're quite mm -hmm. similar um, and we did our training together Fantastic. you know my team were really inspired by that and I think sometimes at the beginning of the journey you know having somebody from outside mm -hmm. you know, they're getting messages from me every day mm -hmm. right but having somebody outside who who who's really understands the theory, mm -hmm. has seen it in lots of places, can talk about examples of where it's worked and where it hasn't worked. Having somebody like that come in to kind of launch, launch that program is important. Now, I say launch, we were already doing growth mindset in the school before mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. but this is, this is something that we did at the beginning of this year to really reinforce that. We have a lot of new staff, a lot of staff changes. Um, so that's the other part of it. You always have to keep on going and reminding people of that message. Because one thing that happens is that as we get older, and I think we were talking about this just before, you know, your mindset does also become more fixed, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that absolutely applies to teachers and support staff in classrooms as well. And to even to, you know, ourselves as the leaders of the school, you know, you, you find, I find all the time I come up, up, up to issues and I think it has to be this way. And then I think, no, hold on a minute, I've got a fixed mindset about this. Do I need to reevaluate this and look at this a different way? And that's when I'll call my team in and say, look, hold on a minute, this is what I'm thinking here, what do you all think, and yeah. see what they've got to say about it. I think that's one of the most powerful things that you can do in leadership, is to go, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think about it, or unpick mm. the, the weaknesses of this idea, because when, you've co when you're culminating this idea, you think it's fantastic, yeah. and you, think it's the, you probably think it's the best thing in the world yeah. at the time, and then it's like, and then when you galvanise the team around and they go, okay, I'm going to unpick it this way and that mm. way, and these are the strengths of it, these are the weaknesses, yeah. now this is how we can make it better collectively. Yeah you end up with a far better result. Absolutely, and it, and it always turns out better. It never turns out worse than what you started with. Mm. Um, I mean, with a bit of guidance, obviously. You know, if you, if you lay out the core thing that you want to achieve, mm -hmm. and don't worry about too much about the, the, the how to get there, and you let your team help to figure that part out, mm. it's always better than, when you, than if you just sat in the room thinking about it by yourself. Um, and also, I think the important thing is, Obviously, if you're leading, if you're the leader, right, and this is something that people don't always understand, is you, you have a, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you, you're accountable for everybody and everything. It's easy when you're a leader to understand that, but if you're not in that position, it's sometimes a lot harder. Mm. Um, and so there, there's a real incentive sometimes for you to want to have things exactly the way that you want them. Yeah. Right? Because if you don't have them in that way, you know, then, you know, the children's education, if you're working in a school, I guess for you, you know, the employees that you employ, you know, that could all go, you, mm -hmm. could, you could always say that can all go tomorrow if you're not, sure. if you're not on top of your game. Mm -hmm. However, if you want to develop a growth mindset in your school, how are your staff going to do that if you're not even willing to do it yourself? Certainly. And I meet so many head teachers who are who are really happy to talk about the growth mindset mm. and they're just not willing to do it themselves <laughs> wow. because it's too scary. It is scary. It's wow. not easy, mm. is it? Um, and actually, if you think about it from that perspective, you'll understand what it is to develop a growth mindset really well because you want your teachers to have a growth mindset where well, you have to be really modeling that to them. Mm -hmm. Your teachers want their children to have a growth mindset. They need to be modeling it to them as well. Can you share some tips, tricks, and not tricks, but some tips on how you go about modeling that growth mindset to your team? How do you do that? Well, it's exactly what I was talking about. I've mm -hmm. Actually, so we are extremely collaborative. Mm -hmm. You've seen a good example there. Yeah. This, this, is, this, is, this is 
first day of the term, first day of the academic year stuff. So, you know, that's from day one, it's very clear that we're, we're in this together. Yeah. Um, we have a SLT every week, but it's open door. So anybody can come and invo be involved with that. There's, no, there's nothing that we do that can't, can't be discussed with the staff. Um, we have a, um, the governors also come in on a fortnightly basis, not to meet the staff, they meet the senior leaders in that case, but they're involved with the process all the way along as well, so okay. they can see the collaborative working there. Mm -hmm. um, the staff meetings that we have, um, we talk about new projects that we're going to run and we talk about how we're going to make them work. So for instance, we do something called the build program here, mm -hmm. that's something that um, I was involved with in another school that I worked at before. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've taken that model and we brought it to the staff. And I showed them how the model existed previously. They said, well, how's this going to work for us? We tried some things out. We've evolved it. That model is working amazingly for us now. And it's because they, they see that they can be part of that process and they engage with it. Um, the marking policy, which is over there, um, all I said to the staff was that we, that we um, you know, we've, we've, we, we want to develop a marking policy. You know, there were a lot of questions and queries about it um, before we started. I said, I want to develop a marking policy, but I'm not going to even tell you what's in it. But the most important thing is you need to know it has to move the children's learning forward, right? Do some research, have a think about it, go off and have a, a meeting yourselves about it, about what's going to look like. And this is what they came back with. And so, you know, this is, it's one of those issues that marking can be really contentious in a school. Yeah. I never have, a, I ne I've, we've never had a, an issue with, with, with that um, because you know, it's the staff that came up with it. And it's, and it's definitely better than what I would have come up with. No mm, question about that it. That is gold. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, uh, that, that is definitely leadership gold because when you do that and you get them engaged in it and you actually get them to create it, yeah. then it's like they've created it. So mm. they're much more likely to be motivated and inspired to deliver upon it, right? Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you go about sharing? There's a lot of talk around well-being in schools and education now. What, what other kind of things do you do to make sure that there is a high level of staff well-being here? Yeah, so it's, it's all about engagement. So I have a lot of thoughts about well-being. Firstly, um, part, of the, part of the problem, um, uh, not part of the problem, a big part of the problem is coming from the, from the top, um, and, not, and not the top me, but the government, right? Sure. So things have changed. For the better or for the worse, I, 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 you know, I couldn't comment on that. I do, there are things that the government has done that I think is, that are, are quite good. And certainly over the course of the years that I've been teaching, I've definitely seen standards in teaching improve. So, so there must be some good things going on. Also with the look at workload, you know, that is appreciated by me as well. That, that, you know, they are thinking about you know, the workload for, for staff. Um, I think that's one of the fundamental factors why we have what I perceive as a teacher recruitment crisis in this country mm. is that workload level. People understand Absolutely. that teachers work really, really, really hard. Mm. Having said that, there are some things that we have done to really improve it for teachers. So teachers in my school don't photocopy, right? We have somebody whose job is reprographics. They don't even know the code for the copy machine. I've got a code in my pocket, but I don't even, I've, I've got it in my, in my, password database but that's mm -hmm. but that's it nobody else in the school oh sorry the deputy does have it for out of hours copying right <laughs> but no teacher has it mm. right no support staff has it so all that they do their job is to promote the learning of the children mm. everything that they do in the school needs to be based around that and i and i often go back to them and say is there any task that you're doing that's not promoting the learning of the children mm. um because we're aware of it we're quite good at not 
implementing new things that will affect them, yeah. uh, will affect the learning. But but most of the time, um, the answer is is no. You know, they can see and understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's part. That's that's the first part of it. Um, the second part of it is giving staff enough time to do the things that we're talking about. You want them to have a growth mindset and to sit and reflect on things. Mm. Well, if you don't give them time to sit and reflect on things, they're not going to do that, right? Sure. They're just going to they're just going to plug on doing exactly the way that they've done before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in terms of giving them time, um, all my teachers have a half a day, mm-hmm. you know, out of out of class plus assemblies and things like that. Um, then on top of that, they have, well, it depends on the year group. So mm-hmm. this is where the hesitation is. They have half a day and that's their PPA. But on top of that, they have additional sessions, mm-hmm. right? And those additional sessions are ostensibly they're used for, for interventions, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they are free to use those to promote the learning of the children. So it might be one-to-one conferencing. Mm-hmm. It might be small groups that they're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, if they uh, need to finish a project that they're doing for the school and they use that time you know we don't we don't monitor that too heavily Mm -hmm. there's not a need to because everybody's engaged with the vision of promoting the learning of the children then we then we uh they can do that and that's fine that's up to them to do that um and so that helps them as well it means that there's not they're not taking home huge amounts of, of of work every day and i will say that you know staff here by and large leave it leave it a reasonable time But also there's more to it than that as as well, is that, and I think this is something that people, that leaders should really understand, is that well-being is about about working in a way that works for you, right? I have staff members who do come in early and they do leave late, Mm -hmm. but this is, it's not because they have to do that, it's Mm -hmm. because that's a way that they feel comfortable with working. And you know, people have lots of things going on in their lives and sometimes they want to spend more time at work for a little bit because there's there's things going on and that's okay too and there's a social environment at work as well yeah absolutely you know and you're around like-minded peers and mm-hmm. you know just like th- sometimes the children sometimes the children are coming to school and like school is a safe bit of a safe place for them that still applies to staff as well mm-hmm. so um but hopefully you know staff feel that they can can engage with you uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a leader to talk about that if mm-hmm. it's happening but um but it's not just about it's not just about oh you're, you're out you're going to work just uh 8 30 to 4.30 and, and that's how we're going to deal with your well-being but it's so much broader than that yeah. um, and nor is it about you know having a day off a day off a, a term <clears throat> I would hope that my staff would actually feel engaged enough with the te- children that, that they wouldn't want to take that day mm. right because this is how I felt my entire career yes. you know, I don't want to take days out because I want to be there for the children mm. if it's so difficult or miserable to work that you can't wait to take a day out. Then there's a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that's an issue, and that one day out is not going to solve everything. Anything, not to say, not to completely say that that any school that's doing that is doing it wrong, mm. but just maybe the question of why is that happening? Sure. It, maybe that needs to be thought about. I think what you said about making it fit for purpose for each individual person yeah. is really really powerful because yeah. everyone works at their own pace and as you say some people do like to stay come in early and stay yeah. late and it's about for me productivity and mainly productivity and somewhat well-being is around fitting your your work style around the you style mm. and merging those together in a way in that you are 
you are the same person at work mm -hmm. as you are at home mm. and you fuse those together in a way in which resonates with you yeah and it's not about someone going okay this is how you need to work but yeah. it's about you finding your fine-tuned balance yeah this is this is a big difference between i think um and, and this is only from my observations and reading about it what it would have been like working you know a few decades ago mm. so you went in your boss was there in in he or she, but mainly he, was better than you. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was, they, they were your better. And when they told you to do something, that's it. That's how you got to do it. Sure. And don't, don't you dare question that. Um, <laughs> but also on the same token, you know, everybody's sitting there watching the clock. Mm -hmm. uh, because when your hours are up, that's it. You're running out the door because that's, that's the end of the day. And, mm -hmm. and that's it. Okay, fine. Maybe that was right for that time. But the way things are evolving and the way things are changing is much more... You can't be that kind of leader. People will resent you because ideas and notions of individuality are so much deeper now, and everybody is has a has their right to 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 feel like who they are matters. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't foster that in your school, again, what are you modelling to your teachers, and then what are they going to take back to the children uh, as well when they when they're looking at how how the children are developing? Are they going to treat them like individuals, mm. as we would hope? Mm. Or are they just gonna be, you know, say this is just a machine? You know, I've got thirty children in, yeah. everybody doing the same thing. Yeah. End of the year, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, because if you become a dictator as a, as a head teacher and yeah. as a leader, then the teachers then become more autocratic in their style, which yeah. then means that children become more robotic. And with technology evolving, it's like yeah. you want more open-minded pupils. I completely agree. Now, even how, even though I'm saying that, I mean, this is only my thoughts about how it should go. I think you could potentially have a very dictatorial, autocratic school that is very successful. Mm. I'm, I'm sure that's possible sure. to find a way to do that. Mm. But there's a, there's a deeper side to it as well, which is, you know, what kind of a society, you know, this is our responsibility as a school leader, what kind of society do we, do we want to, to create or, or, or what kind of principles or do we want our children to have? Mm. Um, you know, back in the days that they had the cane, I'm sure it would have been very, you know, lots of children would be absolutely put off misbehaving just because of that, you know, sure. that would have been a really big disincentive to do that. But I don't know any teachers that want to bring that back. Sure. Or at least, I'm, I'm sure there are some, but I don't know any. And again, it's about balance, right? And yeah. what we were discussing off camera before was about environment and how your environment then feeds into how you behave as a leader and how you perform. So mm -hmm. when you're saying that it you know, some people will work in a really autocratic sense and it will work well for them. Yeah. A lot of that will be predicated on the... A lot of that will be affected by the environment that they're in, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think the writing's on the wall. Everybody, I think you can, we can feel the winds of change. That autocratic style is is on the way out. It's, it, there, there was a time when it was very prevalent and it is on the way out. Mm. You know, our children are going to be growing up into that new type of society. So if we're going to prepare them adequately, mm. you know, the dictatorial of, you know, I'm the boss and, and do what I say, mm. it, it's not going to be preparing them well for what they need to be doing. They all need to be taking ownership of their learning um, and, and improving themselves in that way. So I guess it's about preparing them for their long-term future as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that fascinates me about you is I met you when you were a deputy head. Yes. And you've made a very seamless transition into headship. Mm. How have you done it? 
I, what stands what's what stands out for you? What's the shift? Okay. What, what what is because there's a lot of deputy heads out there that we're thinking, okay, my next step is headship, I'm not okay. quite sure what to do. So he, here's 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 what here's the most important thing is, right? Mm. Is that I knew what I wanted to do, okay? I was in a very good environment and obviously you knew me um in, in my previous school. Um a, a, an environment was created there that was very supportive mm -hmm. for me to develop the skill set. That meant that sometimes it was extremely challenging. You know, the things that I would have to do were well out of my comfort zone. Sure. But I've never liked sitting in my comfort zone, so that suited me just fine. Mm -hmm. If you're, I think it's quite feasible to say, because I was only a deputy for a very short time. I was mm -hmm. a deputy for two years. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite realistic for somebody who wants to become a head to do it in that time period. Mm -hmm. um, and then feel like they've been successful when they're ahead and not get into a situation where they just don't know anything about what they're doing. But you have to plan for it and you've got to put in, you've got to put in the, the work, right? And the work doesn't just mean the, the written work, but the thinking work as well. Sure. I, I spent, I, I used to keep, when I was a deputy, I used to keep a book, mm -hmm. which I also keep as, as a head, but um, I used to keep a little book of all the things that I, uh, one word of all the things that I did that day and I used to sit at the end of the day at my desk and just read through that and reflect did I do that well did I do a good job on this did I do a good good job on this did I good do a good job on this because if the answer for those things was no then I needed to do it better next time right and that's the preparation for being head teacher always thinking about how you can improve and then taking actions to do it again it's that's all related. You want your staff to do that as well, don't you? Um, it's not. It wouldn't have been sufficient to 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 just float on through, mm. always struggling, and then never try and improve things. You know, had to improve things as you don't know what you need to do sometimes, mm. or, or what challenges you're going to be facing till you actually face them. But thinking about how you did dealt with it at mm. the end and afterwards, and then making sure that next time it comes up, because it's going to come up next time, yeah. that you're doing it better. That's really, really important. And that's, now that I'm ahead, I have a deputy within mm -hmm. my school. Yeah. And, you know, the, I understand the challenges that she's facing a lot more because I went through them as a deputy and I already did a lot of the thinking about how to deal with those issues. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of see that pattern coming back again. Coming back again. Yeah, fantastic. I think what you said about reflective leadership is, like, absolutely powerful. Yeah. And the more you reflect is the more... And one of the things that people miss when, you know, we hear a lot about hard work and determination yes. is the thinking work. Yes. The thinking work is the bit that a lot of people miss. Yeah. And it's kind of like that narrative around sharpening the, sharpening the saw before yeah. you actually go to work. Yeah. yeah. And the thinking is work. I mean, that, that mm. you could, it's, I mean, you can't just sit in front of your, t your TV and have a, an odd thought about it sometimes that might be sufficient mm -hmm. but I mean like really sitting at your desk and thinking you know did I did I do this as well as I could sure. and what can I do for next time yeah. and it's only for you so it's not like you need to write it down but you yeah. could if you wanted to mm -hmm. um, but but it, but it is as much a part of the, the task as it is for anything yeah. as, as as actually doing it itself yeah um, and you'll thank yourself you'll thank you your, your future self will thank your past self for taking that time to do that yeah 
let's take it back a little bit. So when you finish university, you're very intelligent, you're very academic. When you finish university, what was that journey like to becoming a, a teacher, first of all? Was that something that you were always passionate about doing from you were young, or is that something that sort of shifted for you as you, as you grew? No, so I went into... I, I went into business first, actually. I was working in sales in the city um, for a very short period of time, but I hated it. Um, I was not engaged with it. Uh, I remember the um, when we did the interview. So I prepared like anything else. I remember preparing for the interviews for that. Mm -hmm. And the obvious question is, why do you want to go into it? Like, why do you want to come to this business? And my answer for that was, you know, I'm really motivated by the money. But I wasn't motivated by the money. I've never been motivated by money. <laughs> And so the whole premise of that was wrong. And so I just didn't have any interest in doing it and I didn't enjoy it. And um, I did it for a little bit. I, I would say, you know, the money was very good. So, you know, it, it helped me to do the next thing, which was spend some time thinking about, once again, thinking about what it was that I actually wanted to do for a career. Um, uh, so I, I left that, had a little bit of money that I made from that, a good, good amount of money, which I made from that. I spent some time thinking out of work just exploring my options um, and teaching came up and actually I'd never even thought of teaching wow. before uh, I'd had the time to do that and when I thought about it I thought oh, okay hold on a minute this is actually something that fits in with what I believe is important mm -hmm. and I investigated more and I mean the rest is history I've, I've loved even the hardest days I've loved every single day of it more than I loved any day that I was working in sales. Wow. Yeah. What's been your biggest challenge as a leader, would you say? There are challenges every day. Mm. And how did you, what's been a big challenge for you and how did you overcome it? So I'm pausing because I'm just trying, I see challenges in a slightly different way. Mm. So, I guess I'm trying. I'm trying to think of things that have, that have that have not worked out the way that I wanted to, but when I see in the end it works out, right? Yeah. That's the that's the problem. It's mm -hmm. it's just that the challenge is is only part of the process. Yeah. Because if if you haven't resolved the issue that you've got, then you've not finished the process. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, for instance, okay. What we have is I've got huge leaky roofs, mm -hmm. um, which the local authority refused to pay for for a very long time. Um, and uh, all of this was challenging all the way along. Mm -hmm. It was completely new ground for me. I had to do a lot of learning about legal, the legal side of things and about you know building work, which mm -hmm. I had no idea about wow. and got nothing to do with me. And we're still in the process of doing it. You know, if you go outside the school now, you're still there, still doing building on the top, mm -hmm. but we progressed it. Yeah. And so I would say that, that that process is not finished. So it was challenging all the way along mm -hmm. as as are most things. And if they're not, if it's too easy then, I mean, to do, then are you challenging yourself enough? Yeah. Are, you cre are you creating that challenge for yourself? I guess I, I, I think of it in a different way. There have been lots of things that I've done that have been very challenging, mm. but even that word itself implies that maybe then it's not a desirable thing. Mm -hmm. I like challenge. Love I it. like challenging situations. That, mm. that really suits me well. So I, even though it's really frustrating to see my roof leaking mm -hmm. you know, for a very long period of time, mm -hmm. 
I enjoy the challenges that come along with that. And you went away and you learned about it, which is... Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Had to learn a huge amount. Like, yeah. the amount of reading that has gone in to get to where we are today... Fantastic. Is, is, I mean, I must, have, I must have read three or four books worth of, of information. Love it. Yeah. And what's been one of your proudest moments as a, as a head teacher? Well, you know, it was really, what was really nice is um, results aren't everything, mm -hmm. but they are one metric that you can use that lots of people understand mm -hmm. to judge uh, a school. And one of the really positive things is that from last year, beginning of last academic year, when I started to the end of that year, um, lots of things that we were working on as a team were really coming together. And we saw that reflected in our results. We had our best results. And so that, you know, that I thought was great for, for a, a year. We had six new teachers um, in the school, and we we're only two forms of entry. Um, so they needed to be integrated into that. And at the end of the year, uh, not one teacher left. Wow. Right, so they were all enjoying and engaged with what we were doing. So all of those things together, and of course I get a ton of positive feedback from the parents as well. Love I mean, not everybody's happy, uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I don't think you can. I mean, as I say, you can, you can please uh, all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but you can't please all the people all of the time. And, yes. and, and I, not everything that we do in this school makes everybody happy, and that's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But seeing all that positive feedback I would say it's a natural result of all of the other bits that we're trying to do, which is improve the learning of the children. Because everybody wants that, right? The children want that, the parents want that, the teachers want that, I want that, yeah. the government wants that. We all yeah. want the same thing. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. It's been a really good chat. Um, to ground off, we do a quick fire. Okay. We do a quick fire round. So I'm going to pose a phrase or a statement. And I just want you to be free and say the, the first thing that comes to comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like a chill. A chill. Okay, I've <laughs> never done one of these before. Okay, so I've, I've seen them on TV, <laughs> so I'll have a go. Okay, let's start here. Favourite app on your mobile phone? Um, my my child's early years re report, reporting app. So it shows them what, me what they're learning. It's fantastic. I love it. I need, I need to speak to you about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. I want one of those for myself. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Favourite hobby? Um, I love doing anything with computers, um, surfing the net, video games, uh, learning about new apps, everything yeah. to do with that. Favorite holiday destination? Portugal. Oh, wow. Straight yeah. away, bang, on the money. Yeah, it's my wife and I go there whenever we can. It's yeah. been a long time. Okay. We've got two very young children, yeah. but um, that's, that's, our, that's, our, her, that's our place to go, for you sure. You do a lot of reading. Favorite book or one of? Favorite book of all time? Probably the, the Hobbit, um, but I, that's a, there's so many, mm -hmm. so many different. I mean, I, I like all kinds of genres, all kinds of books. Awesome. Yeah. And you become the leader. You become the chief inspector of schools, and you can only implement three things in your vision to transform education. Mm. What are those top three things? Ah, because this is quick fire. <laughs> I would say that the first and most important thing is to stop making quick decisions about about how schools need to change <laughs> Got it. so uh so that would be it but in terms it's not it's not the first time i would have th i've ever thought about this so mm -hmm. you know i think um you know schools need more funding mm -hmm. they, they need more funding right now it, we are all hurting at the moment and it is it is affecting the children's education mm -hmm. um making sure that the that the uh that while 
holding accountable schools accountable mm -hmm. is very important, but also finding ways to recognize where excellence is and sharing that. Yes. And I think Ofsted shares examples of excellence, and maybe that's because it's not their remit. Mm -hmm. But I know that there are lots of schools that I can learn from. Um, sometimes, you know, they might not be in London, they might be in another part of the country altogether, but how are we to know? Yeah. Um, and a third one is, it's not really an Ofsted thing, but I think that teachers are underpaid. Mm -hmm. You know, you look in the private sector, um, and, you know, I've got, I've got lots of stuff here and you know the idea the prospect of the difficulties the challenges that they're going to face to even buy a home mm. is very difficult and I think I think it's it's wrong mm. um, I would say, say that government I think play, plays on the goodwill of teachers mm -hmm. um, to keep those salaries lower than they should be so that's a slightly different thing and it's not really an offset thing but I do think it's an important issue that needs to be addressed yeah, I yeah. Think that's, that's magical yeah. um, and final question so you are, there is an aspiring head teacher that wants to make a phenomenal dif difference. What advice, what parting words of advice would you give to an aspiring head teacher that wants to make a difference? Yeah, it's, it's all about spending time to think. Maybe I should talk to the camera. It's all about spending time to think about what it is that you want to achieve and bringing people on board. But it's all about that. There's just not enough time to think in the day, but you have to create that time. It's critical. It's very, very important. Um, and maybe you need to create that time. If you can't do it in the workday, find some time outside of the workday to do it. And like I said, you'll thank yourself later for doing that. Lovely. Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so My much. My pleasure. Thanks, Jazz. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you.